Well, folks, welcome back to the third and final segment of our podcast this week, Knowing Your Button with Andy Parker. This week, Andy's going to be talking about how he voice calls swans and is very successful out in Utah. Hi, I'm George Lynch at Legendary Gear. This podcast is brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. A mallard is a mallard duck. He doesn't have, you know, you don't have mallards who are in California and Utah speak Chinese as the mallards in, in, in <laughs> Iowa and Utah, or Iowa, North Dakota, Minnesota speak in Japanese. A mallard yeah. is, you know, the language is the same. It might be different food source, but the response and the vocabulary of a mallard is the same. So yeah. well, however they call them from North Dakota, from the Canada's North Dakota's on down, um, you know, everybody says they have their different call and stuff, but it's the same bird. So I believe, Andy, your button that you're talking about, I'm listening to you talk, it's it's really the same thought process I have hunting here, um, and especially with how I call hunting water and how I call hunting the field. If I'm going to be more aggressive than any of the other, no doubt I am more aggressive hunting in the field. Uh, if you watch mallards out in the uh, in the field, especially, you know, if you've got spinners or whatever you're doing, Mallards, even on, if there's, I watch them out here and scout, and even if there's, that field is not being hunted, and these mallards come here, and I, I told you that we have these holding ponds, loafing ponds, where these birds will go, then they jump, and these loafing ponds are really popular, especially if there's cornfields that surround them, because these birds can pop up, and they'll go over to that cornfield, but I've watched those ducks, geese will come in, and glocka, 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 and then you watch it, they'll lock up, and they'll go right down, next flock will come in, and glide right, you know, shortstop them, come in, but ducks, They'll sit there and act like they're going to land and frick, they get up and then circle and then circle again. And then I watch them land. Okay, they land. Dang, they're getting back up again. And then they circle and, and then finally they hit back down. And they're just, uh, they're uh, different. They're different critters. And I think geese probably just, it's a, it's a energetic requirement to get that huge body off the ground. They probably just do a little bit. They're a little more, you know, oh, that's without a doubt. Wasting, wasting energy flopping and flying around when they could be just sitting and eating. Oh, without a so. doubt, when you're probably talking five, six, seven, eight pounds difference, you're without yeah. a doubt is is true. Absolutely. But it just seems, and in the mallards, because they're in the, you know they might be in bigger groups, they're just they're a very nervous bird out in the field, out in the water, out in the water. If you got a good spread and and you're quiet and doing your like Andy, wah, 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 wah. and to me. Uh, if I'm going to call, my calling and, and the majority of my calling, even on the water or field, and I'm calling a lot, is at their at the backs and at their sides. If they're coming at oh, me, at my, if they're coming at me, don't over, and this is my philosophy on this. One of the things you mentioned earlier, Andy, about running a call is that they got a good chance. You 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 are weak. You're you're setting yourself up to giving away your location. Absolutely. And that was a great. Right down to that blind, if you call at them, and they're straight up. <laughs> and that's a hundred percent, and and same way of flagging. But and, you know, that's a hundred percent that you know you you're giving your your location up. So to me, when that duck's going away, now he's he can have two things on his mind. Same way with the goose. But if he's you know he's doing the circle, but he's going away, he's got two things. Either I'm going to make another circle. Or I'm just going to keep flying straight, and I know, you know, and keep going. So those are two things that could be on his mind. That's the two decisions. So what I'm trying to do as he's going away from me is I'm trying to eliminate one of the decisions and saying, hey, this is the spot, bub. And, you know, wah, 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 and hit that. Let him turn. And as he turns, you know what? 
now don't don't uh, mix him up with more calling and where he's trying to look and locate well where's that hen i just heard where's that you know what let him put the thought process that turned him oh i'm coming back in to feed and let him think that and let him think about finishing and yeah. you know and and hit him again as he goes behind me and, and you know you can hit and and each time that he's doing this i'm going to be shorter and and, wah, wah, and faster you know it's not going to be when he's right on top of me, little quick couple of quick nose. Absolutely. And the game is done. The game is Especially done. If the, bird, if the bird does a 180, if the bird's coming across you and you let him pass your decoy and you call at him and he does a, a absolute stiffens up and does a 180, that duck should be dead. <laughs> he should be. Yep. Every time. And, and and if it, and I agree with that, and if you do everything else right, and you know, he's and he's going to finish him now. You you push the button. Now he's like, okay, I'm coming. Now you just when you want to turn him right over the blind, you just make that same noise again. They turn and they come over the blind, and they're and unless you miss, obviously, um, they should be in the in the blind with you <laughs> at the end of the sequence. So that you look at pushing the button. Uh, you know, we, we find that find that thing that pushes the button, push the button on an on angle. So you, it gives the bird it's in a position that, you know, they're not coming in. They're, they're not having a thought process of, of coming in and landing. You know, it's that process that they could do two things. They got a, a choice. And what you're doing with calling, like I said before, you're always trying to create a reaction. But I'm also trying to change a thought. So I want that bird to remember me back here, but he's not going to see me from behind unless he can see through the back of his head. So, you know, again, working that, that sound and, and getting his thought process. So you're blowing at the rears, blowing at the sides, let the birds work and let them finish. So that's really important. The buttons and then the timing. I guess it, it, it comes with the timing, you know, yeah, knowing I the think that you gain that. You gain that through experience, and that's another reason I think Colin's so good. And I touched on that at the first of the podcast was was you you can't buy the experience. No, you just can't buy it. No, you no. have to go out and do it, uh, and it's just uh, it's a fun. That's what makes waterfowling fun. That's what makes hunting all together fun. You know, the more that you, yeah. I'm still learning today, and you think you know, you know, there's just and and the reason. And I did a podcast, a good friend of mine yesterday. Out of we were talking that we believe, especially in 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 the high pressured areas, that we are genetically designing a new goose today, and 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 maybe ducks, but definitely on the geese that they're not doing the things they did here. You know that we did uh, 20 years ago, and well, they're definitely they are not. and they and are so. Not. Yeah, and I and I've always said that, and I believe that you know everybody talks about the the adaptability of a whitetail. You know, you can put a whitetail anywhere, and and the whitetail can end up living. They live in, in sub, suburban areas, and yeah, sure, you got those hit by cars, but they've learned to adapt and live in right in and behind some farmer's barn or some people's uh, somebody just in the city limits living behind a shed, and uh, they they learn to adapt, and those who don't adapt die. And I believe, like yeah. in, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, I believe that's why we had such a strong, uh, uh, the bucks and the does were such a strong breed because the winters were so brutal that the weak ones died. 
and, and you know, and that was your survival of the fittest. You know, the strong ones only the strong survived, and that's the yeah. same way with ducks and geese. A dead, if they're dead or if they're dumb, they're well, dead. The ones that fell to the call, they can't reproduce, so <laughs> they're going to be smarter. That's right. It, it, it just year. genetically changes and being with it. But I want to get to. And Let's get to some of these other species out that we have out here. We have so many species. I, the second one, in my mind, uh, number one, obviously mallard. Uh, number two would be widgeon. Um, I don't know what your experience is with uh, with widgeon, but we have thousands and thousands and thousands of widgeons, and in some areas, um, even on the on the public land where I used to guide uh, this one particular marsh, um, you rarely got anything else uh and those birds are very vocal too and i think that there's some buttons to be pushed with widgeons uh in fact i use my widgeon whistle sometimes in the middle of the season and i i've turned everything with it uh so if i'm not blowing a mallard call i'm usually blowing a widgeon call and there's a certain cadence and sequence um that i found effective if you want me to get into that i Absolutely, you know, and that's a great point on, on the because I will have to say, I enjoy calling widgeons because it's a callable bird almost as much as as, as, as mallards. That's oh, a great. I agree. And I was shocked a couple of times this year. I, I actually turned a mallard inside out with a widgeon call. Well, you got your and widgeon whistle? I had my widgeon call in my mouth. Uh, he flew by. I didn't see him. He came over the back. I blew a, a, a sequence of widgeons at him, and he did a 180 and caught him. Uh, so it was pretty impressive. I was like, hey, man, maybe I'll just stick with this for a while. You know, you never know. Uh, the button is the button, and when you find it, just keep pushing it. But I'll get into this widgeon series that I do uh, if you want right now. Absolutely. It's, it's here. So I start. I usually start with a couple of single notes, and then I get really aggressive, and uh, I'll go through that sequence right now. That's what I do with the widgeons. Uh, that sounds so like real. That sounds so real, dude. <laughs> starting with a single note. Uh, a series of single notes and then I get I don't know if you watch a, a big flock of widgeons come in they always start with a little whistling and then they just go once they start talking they go kind of crazy uh, and they're just such a wonderfully vocal beautiful great eating fabulous bird I, I just adore them as much as anything else uh, in fact probably more than ours um, probably my favorite duck is, is probably a pintail but uh and they they don't call real well i've you know i've tried different things with pintails with the different you know single and i just don't think a pintail has a button other than a mallard call uh, it doesn't man and and, it, and they're so spooky oh they're brutal they're brutal and they're open water birds and we have a lot of open water out here i think a mallard uh and i'll diss on mallards a little bit here now um we have a lot of small little pockets and ponds back back in the cattails and and uh, alkali bulrush, and that's where the mallards go. Is they like to get back in little places, so they're super vulnerable. Uh, a pintail likes to be out in open water, and so dragging them into to cover is way more difficult than a mallard already wants to be back in that cover where you're hiding. So they're super vulnerable, at least out here. Um, I think the mallard would probably be 
one of the easier birds to get, uh, that and green wing teal. Um, teal seem to have maybe a micro button with the peeping. Um, cinnamon teal hands make a funky little high-pitched little squawky noise. And we have a truckload of cinnamon teal out here. And uh, um, I've had some success with that real high-pitched little... I don't know if they make a teal call. I just use my my regular mallard call, and it sounds like this. <laughs> Maybe not perfect, but oh, that's a, it that's, does work with cinnamon teal. Well, it works on the regular green wing and blue, blue wing here too. I mean, okay. our, there's some guys who make. I, I kind of do what you do. If I'm really into teal season, I might shorten, uh, uh, read up a little bit, higher pitch my uh, mallard uh, call. But ba and then you just speed it up is basically what you're doing. Um, yeah. You might even choke it down a little bit more so you can kind of get that little barky. Uh, but yeah. that's basically the same thing we're doing here. But um, I tell you, we're, we're, I'm getting on time here, but I want to get because I don't want to miss this. I want to. You, <laughs> it was such a treat. But you, friggin' dude, when it comes to uh, um, swans and you know out there and. Ray was always bragging about, you know, ah, you out of here, Parker, run a swan call, you know, do this own swan. And you don't use a call. This is all natural voice. It yeah, was it's voice calling. It sure. is a it is worth the, the price of the emission just to to hear you do it. But I would love to be able to watch you work, you know, a big, huge swan right into the hole doing this. It would be totally something cool to have on video. But what an experience. Uh, they're wonderful birds and we're blessed to have a swan hunt here and a big part of the of the financial uh money that i made during waterfowl season was taking swan hunters one it was it was you know a one bird deal and two it was an afternoon gig so i wasn't out there for you know 10 12 hours a day during swan season uh and having a way to call at these birds. They're very, very vocal and they're so susceptible to calling, uh, probably as much as any other bird out there. And you just have to be able to hit a couple of pitches. Um, but you can just absolutely vacuum these things in. It's so fun. Uh, they come in like a B 52 and they commit, they just, they can't pull out. They're not acrobatic at all. So once they've committed to your set, it's, you know, you, it's up to you to hit them. But um, I just, I learned how to do this, oh, I don't know, 30 plus years ago. And uh, it's still just so fun to call swans in. We have them out at our club uh, by the thousands. And uh, I obviously set out swan decoys for, for confidence decoys. And, and calling these swans in is, is a real treat for, for a lot of the members anyway. Um, That's strictly wa but it's strictly water, right? Water, yep. We, we see them in the fields occasionally, but it's not like some of the other swamp states where they hunt them over, over ag. This is all, these things are come here specifically for sago pond weed tubers. Well, uh, they're the only bird that can get that neck down in that mud and get those tubers out. And they, they, they've come here for, you know, since the dawn of time to eat sago pond weed tubers. And we're on their stopover. I think we get about 60,000 of them. Wow. Uh, and about half of those are on our club. So uh, it's a nonstop swan extravaganza. And it's just, they're just absolutely amazing birds. Very fun to hunt. 
Um, if you if you haven't done it, you got to put it on your bucket list. Well, the crazy yeah. thing Ray was telling me about it that uh, you know because we don't I've never got to hunt the swans, but he says what the, the thing that will is that is the uh, you know it's entertaining watching them come in. But he said, all of a sudden, they're right there. And when you shoot one and that big bird hits that water, it's just kaboosh, you know, it's an explosion. It's a lot of of birds, and they are just spectacular. And they're very good to eat, too. Uh, They're one of the few species of waterfowl that you can actually tell the juvenile birds from. So if you're after, if you're a meat hunter and you're just after table fare, you can target those younger birds and... uh, they're they're delicious. They really are. They're and they're so fun to hunt because they just they just commit so well to a call, and you have to have it. Now I've seen guys shoot them over garbage bags with the uh, tire weights put on them. Just you know they'll come over and fly over, and sometimes they'll even land in that garbage. But uh, they become a little bit more as as people pr- progress to getting better at, at setting up for them and, and hunting them over decoys. Uh, They've certainly become smarter, and, and the one thing that sets somebody that's a good swatter hunt, hunter from another is is the ability to call at them, and because uh, they are super vocal, they they almost never shut up. So if you want, I'll, I'll roll into that right now. I'll do it from seeing them from the beginning to working them all the way into the hole. I always start the button on the swan is the single high note. You absolutely have to have. You have to hit this certain pitch, and I, sometimes I hit it really right out of the gate. Sometimes I don't, but we'll get on it. And I do that until their feet are on the water or they're oh, on the block. Dude, that, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it, it's loud, too. And I, I cup my hands over my mouth and I get after it. Uh, the louder, the better. Those things, that vocalization from those birds travels literally miles. Uh, you can hear these birds out in this big open country. Oh, I bet. Uh, from, you can't even see them. You can hear them. Uh, so they're loud. Um, that high note that you got to hit is it's imperative. And I'll, I'll do a lot of times, I'll just go, How many, uh, as you only kill one a year, how many can you shoot out there? Uh, one a year, so I would end up doing about 30 to 50 hunts a year for Swan. And I was linked probably in that high 80s for success rate. I didn't get everybody one. Uh, obviously, that you know, would be a pretty boastful thing to say, but uh, um, 80% the success pre- rate was, was pretty high. Yeah, 80% is really good. Now, is, are yeah, these was, Tundra Swans or... There's trumpeters out here, too, and you can legally shoot a trumpeter until last year they changed the rule. Um, what they were doing is they were, uh, they were uh, when, once we got to 20 trumpeter swans killed, uh, you have to check them in. Then they would close the season, and uh, it's just become an issue. Uh, they changed the rules last year, and uh, there's some penalties and lack of, um, yeah, so, but 
I never personally ever harvested a trumpeter swan uh, on a guided hunt. Uh, I was very good at, at being able to pick those birds out. They make a different noise uh, and never did get one. So I tried not to do that, uh, even though it was legal. Um, you know, I just, I knew better. And so sure. it just was something I tried not to do. Wow. But, if that makes sense to you. Oh, that absolutely makes sense. Now buddy. there's this, with the trumpeter swan population is just, is gone through the roof. Uh, there's so many now, and there's they're just a different vocalization. They're very, I think they're very easy. Um, if if a single bird flew over you uh, and wasn't making any noise, there's virtually almost no way you could tell one apart from without the vocalizations. But they're almost always making some sort of noise, especially the trumpeters. They just they're just always making a, a racket. So do you think they'll open that trumpeter back up? I don't know, man. I mean, at the risk of losing our our swan season altogether, I think you know there was some concessions made, uh, and I, you know, I just feel like you don't have to shoot them. I think there was some people that were targeting those those birds on purpose. Uh, I'm not going to point any names out, but I, I think you know if you can make a little extra money taking people out and saying, "Hey, we can get you a trumpeter swan," oh. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was why I think that was why we had, uh, we had our quota met like three years in a row and I'd never, ever had my swan season when I was guiding closed. We never got to 20 and you know, last, I think three years or three or four years prior to this year. Um, I think last I heard we had nine killed, uh, already this year, but I mean, we were getting closed down early. Wow. Early, like mid-November, the 20 birds were shot. Uh, mid to late November, which is pretty early. Uh, Real early. Yeah, they were getting shot. And then, you know, everybody that waits five years by the mailbox to get a, get a permit, doesn't get a go, uh, is kind of heartbreaking, you know, to see some some few folks with a little bit of a little greedy um, shooting trumpeters on purpose. Is uh, Yeah, it is what it is. Well, you know what? we It's... Uh... I think it's worldwide. There's scumbags and and everything well, we do. Well, I can't call people scumbags that shoot trumpeters on purpose. I know some people that are very good hunters that that, that shot one uh, on purpose to to have it to have one in their collection, and uh, it's legal. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to fault them. Some, some friends of mine uh, have done it. Uh, wow. It's not illegal, um, but. Yeah, to go out and make money out of it, I think that's a little bit, that's pushing the right I get button. what you're saying, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of disrespectful, yeah. Yeah, like say, hey, you know, I can get you a trumpet or swan uh, for yeah. another three or four hundred dollars. You know, I could have done that too, but it yeah. is what it is. I, I don't want to get into that, George, you know what no. it is. Well, I tell you what, Andy, we're going to wrap it up here in the waterfowl Um I appreciate it, uh, folks. If you like this, please go in and subscribe and, and join on this. And and uh, Andy Parker, if you can go. Do you have anything on social media, Andy? No, I don't do any of that. Okay, Andy. Never. You won't find even a – you won't find any 
about being on social media. I'll tell you, well, Andy Parker, is he's, he's old school like me, but Andy, I've seen his pictures. We're going to get in that to our next podcast of the big game. You folks with awesome. you, the big game that this man has is, is guided and harvested, it's unreal. So, Andy, I appreciate you. Nice buttons to push uh, with a lot of those critters, man, and some will surprise you. So, yeah, stay tuned for that next one. It'll be, uh, it'll be an eye-opener. I, I like the terminology, you know, and that's about these podcasts is, is finding the buttons. You know, I like that. <laughs> button, button, who's got the button? <laughs> I like it. All right, George, man, I appreciate you uh, letting me be a part of your uh, your your new company, man. It's just uh, your calls are, are wonderful. You've always been kind of an inspiration to me as a, as a caller. Well, folks, that concludes our final segment with Know Your Button with Andy Parker. This week was talking about Andy's natural voice calling with the swans, which was really cool. Folks, I'd like to take a, a quick time out to thank our our dealers that we have. L.L. Bean, Sportsman's Warehouse, Finn Feather Fur, Jay Sporting Goods, Dick Sporting Goods, Frank's Great Outdoors, Captain Bones, and Presley's Outdoors. If any of these are in your area, please go in and check them out. Please support our sponsors, and if there's any dealers in your area that's not carrying our calls, please reach out to me or Diane, and we'll be happy to reach out and see what we can do. Folks, If also go to... George Lynch Hunting Podcast. And if you like this, please hit the subscribe and like button. And uh, remember, always hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide.